Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros. What? Do you have a joke? No, I have no joke. That's what I was going to tell you. Yeah, then shut your mouth. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros. podcast. Uh, I am Spencer. Uh, I returned early from my adventure uh, to salvage Jacob's body. Turns out he returned. Uh, and uh, yeah, but now Colin's gone. Hi, Jacob's ghost. Return of the boomer. Yeah, they never leave. They're clinging on for dear life. They're slowly dying out, but not yet. Slowly. Very Very slowly. slowly. Colin's gone, though. Yeah, Colin's doing shenanigans. Sometime this season, we will have an episode with all three of us in the same room touching each other. Aren't you leaving the week after next on another trip? Yes. We've got to have to make it next week. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're gone on that one for a while. Uh, yeah, I come back for, like, the holidays and stuff, so... We'll have to visit! Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. I mean, I will have a hotel room, so... I will bring the blacklight. Yes! Ugh. So, uh, as the first episode of, um, spooky season, at least when this will be released, we're recording this in September, (laughs) uh, spooky, um, yeah. You're not going to do the news first? You're going to do main topic first? No! I was oh, just... Mac. I'm just throwing shit around, dude. I'm trying to be Colin. Um, it's kind of hard to do that. Colin does throw shit a lot. He does. A bit of a monkey. But as uh, it is it is pretty much... It is basically a spooktober. Yes. We will be discussing spooky things for the rest of the month, which we will uh, announce at the end of the episode. And this episode, we do not have a main topic, so we're going to talk about spooky things. But first, before spooky... I will say spooky another time. Spooky, we're going to talk about the news, which... There's nothing spooky about, which is lame. Um, <laughs> Nobody died? No. Oof. I mean, you, but... That doesn't count. I, I do believe, Colin, I do think you did just get stuck on a door and die. <laughs> you clipped through an object and then died there. Classic Bethesda game. <laughs> I actually... I have a really special brain. Everybody knows this, but there are times when I'm, like, driving... And I have, like, this stupid fear that I'm just gonna, like, wake up and already be in a car crash or something. Like, just glitch into something. I do something. the same thing. I play way too many buggy games, I guess. I don't know. That's why I don't blink a lot when I drive. Like, I try real Even when I'm driving for long periods of time, I'm tired, I try really hard not to, like... I'm gonna... I, like, I rest one eye, then I rest the other eye. Like, if, you know, when your eyes get really dry, it's like, I, mm-hmm. I can't shut them for, like, two seconds. Mm-hmm. I'll take my eyes off the road, for sure, but I won't close my eyes. <laughs> Um, it is bad because it's like the other day I got to work early, like really, really early. Wow. So I took a nap in my car before work started and I woke up and I thought to myself, all right, I got to drive to work now. And I woke <laughs> up in my car and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember driving here. All right, we're good. <laughs> I can't do that because I know I will oversleep. That's why I don't take naps at all. It just doesn't work for me. My, my body will go, we're going to ruin your life today. Mm. Uh, speaking of ruining somebody's life, uh, Andy Machete teased another The Flash photo featuring what appears to be the Keaton Batsuit sporting a Flash-themed spray paint job. 
So, vandalism. Kinda, yeah. I don't know. More speculation. Give me the bat suit. Give me the bat flex suit, or shut up. We have heard so much about this freaking movie. Yes, and also no. Like the details are still really scant, but which we, is it's, fine. It's a lot of the same sorts of details we've seen. Right. The suits. We know who's gonna be in it for the most part, and we keep seeing like set photos of the same stuff, which is fine. Where's the bat flex suit? Mm-hmm. Come on. Don't give us a spray paint job. Give us the bat flex suit now. Moving on. Okay. Uh, DC released a Red Band trailer for the upcoming Injustice animated movie. I did not watch the trailer, but I am really excited for the movie. It's almost the same as the first trailer. Like, usually what Red Band trailers are, they just have more footage of the same, like, trailer format. and It, it just, actually shows the violence. It, yeah, it, show, it, it shows the whole arm wow. going through. the. It, it looks cool. Please finish that it. sentence. Arm going <laughs> through the, arm, the... Yeah. Superman's arm, you know, going through the Joker. Yeah, you just heart blood. Oh, his heart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the first teaser and premiere date for Marvel slash Hulu's Hit Monkey series was released, coming exclusively to Hulu on November seventh. I had no idea this was coming until I saw it in the news, and I went, "I don't know what that is." Right. And then I watched the trailer, and I went, "I still don't know what this is." <laughs> I kind of think this is interesting. Yeah. Monkey. Monkey. Colin! Interlinked. From DCComics.com, HBO Max has ordered a three-part DC documentary, documentary documentary series from Academy Award and Emmy-nominated director, producer, and showrunner Leslie Iwerks. Iwerks. <laughs> Iwerks. Produced by Warner Brothers, unscripted television in association with Warner Horizon, DC, Berlanti Productions, and iWorks & Co. The documentary series takes an unprecedented look at the enduring and influential legacy of DC, allowing fans to rediscover the universe of characters as well as the iconic comic book company's origins, its evolution, and its nearly nine-decade cultural impact across every artistic Medium. I like documentaries. I'll watch it. That's either going to be a really long documentary or very succinct. Probably. The only thing that is kind of a turn off is it's effectively being produced by the people it's about. There's nothing morally wrong with that, but it's just, it that always makes me a little less interested. Right. I like kind of outside perspective documentaries or whatever when it's it's kind of it's kind of circle jerky little bit like i mean sure knock yourself out you're a really old comic distributor that's fine it just they're probably not going to get into the unknown weird stuff it's probably going to be pretty mainstream which is i I suppose fine doesn't subside my hipster desires but whatever circle jerky so that's just round beef jerky yeah perfect yes very nice i'll try it you can put it in the hole of the donut no, no, and no. put it on an English muffin Ooh. with an egg. Ooh. Oh, shit, I'm going to go try that. I'm hungry. <laughs> Don't do this to me. No spooky news. Very disappointing. We can talk about spooky topics, though. Spooky stuff is fun. So. Which Halloween meme do you prefer? Do you like rattled, or do you like the, the doot-doot? Uh, I like the doot-doot. I, I, I same. Yeah. I like both of them, but that one's better. Right. Because it's just got that nice dancing gif, and you can put it anywhere. Right. It applies to anything. Very nice. I was looking for more spooky things, though. You 
aren't a horror fan, usually. It, more and more as the years go on, seemingly. More into it or more out of it? More into it. It, it, it seems like it's increased, partially because I've gotten older and my tolerance has gotten better. And you've also kind of figured out which genres of horror that you like. True. I, I know what people involved and what type of stuff to look for that isn't going to be too much for me and that I'm going to actually enjoy. So, what are some of your favorites? Oh, why are you doing this to me? Um... Let's so, just go back and forth with favorites. Fine. Fine. Any of any any Tim Burton or stop like this all of the stop motion ones that everyone thinks only Tim Burton did, which Tim Burton was barely even involved in, but like so the, all just that whole subgenre of like spooky stop motion stuff, I love it to death. So you know, besides Nightmare Before Nightmare Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas, duh. Right. King. What else are you talking about? Um, Corpse Bride. Oh. Karen Norman. Franken Weenie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. There's a few more. Like, those, I, I love those so much. Um, lots, of, lots of good happy feels. They're nice. They're, I, I just love stop motion. It's gorgeous work. And it's it's spooky enough. And it's also kid-friendly. And that sort right. of stuff is fun. I like I like spooky family movies. I'm such a child. But like, I do <laughs> like those. I like being able to be like, I can watch this on my own and not feel like a child. But also, I can watch it with people. And we're not going to make fun of each other for watching it. And Paranorman's just really funny. Interesting. What I've about you? only seen Nightmare out of all those. No, so I will make a list for you. I'm in I the mean, I of... know of them. I've just never watched them. I'm in the middle of making my way through. I, I have started my spooky viewings for the year. Nice. And it's only September as of recording. It's the end of September. It's not like I'm doing it every day. <laughs> uh, I gotta take the easy one in in the first entry on the list and say it chapter one is nice. one of my favorites. I quote it all the time. I'd also literally forgot Coraline. I'm not sure how I forgot that. Sorry. Um, you must have watched Coraline by now. I have not, actually. Bro, I remember Gaiman. When came in. Really? Yeah. Really great book. Really, really good movie. I remember people being upset because it was, like, actually really spooky for a kid's uh, movie. Yeah, there's some stuff in there. Anyways, sorry. Um, it Chapter One is... I'm with you on that. Insta-classic. There's a little bit too much CG in retrospect and a handful of spots that kind of bothers me, but it's still... You seeing him climbing out of the fridge? No, that was actually kind of funny. That was really there's good. A, I don't know how a... they did that. <laughs> um, no, I mean more like the, the end stuff in the sewers where it's, it's a little much, but that's... Oh, uh, yeah, with everybody floating more, in the yeah, tent. And, yeah, Way more prevalent in the second one. Oh, yeah. With that problem. But um, I'm with you on that one because that was one of the first, like, real horror movies I watched. Um, right. When it came out, I went to the theaters with my mom because, A, it's an R-rated movie. I had to use her to get in. <laughs> and, two, my mom really likes horror. Um, and I was excited. I was actually looking forward to this. I went, this is going to be the time I go watch a horror movie in theaters. And I loved it. And I left for one scene. Um, Which and, one? Um, when they go in, so when they're in the Niebolt house, yep. but the room full of clowns. I knew it. Not, clowns get to me a little bit, but it's more so I knew the crib thing was coming and that I can't, I can't, I've seen it since then. I just, that right. in the theater, I knew it was going to be a little too much. Yeah. So I very briefly left. My mom loved watching me watch it. Like, I was sitting next to her, and as the movie went on, I kept creeping further down into my seat and, like, 
I was gonna break the cup holders I was holding on to. Right. Um, and then I had many nightmares afterwards. And at the time, Oof. I worked in a grocery store in the dairy department, where it's cold and dark and a little dirty, and there are freezers with the flaps that you can't see through. Yeah. And I. I didn't listen to music for, like, weeks after that because I, I wanted to have my ears open. I kept, like, turning around and checking all the time because I worked by myself. Right. So it's like, wait, what's going on? Is that no. the same time you worked with Colin? Uh, Colin and I, like, never overlapped, even though we worked at... We worked different shifts and in different departments for the most part. We I, we both were doing carts and, and bagging at the same time-ish. He was there first. And then the shifts didn't line up, like the days mm. and then the shift times he worked in the evenings. I was, I tried to work in the mornings or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I moved departments and then he, uh, it just never lined up. We worked the same day, like three times, which was so lame. Cause it was like, there was, a, I worked there for a year. Right. So dumb. So anyway, uh, spook. One of my favorite parts out of that whole movie, just probably the favorite, my favorite scene is down in the basement when I hate you. You're going to bring this up again. Georgie's we standing in the puddle. That is just so good. We talked about this like a month ago. I'm yeah. not going into detail. I'm pee myself again. I'm only saying <laughs> that is my favorite scene in the movie. That's a really good scare, too. Yeah. I think that... Because it's like you're not expecting Georgie to slap down into the water. It's it's unexpected. Like, in, in the clown room... I expected something. Oh, yeah. You knew it was coming, and I predicted where it was coming from, and I was right. So oh, I, yeah. I was less startled by it. I but think the, that one got me, and yeah. it was excellent. I think there was a... I remember in... There was a detail in that scene that they actually changed, which I didn't like. In the, one of the trailers, when, uh, you know, when you see Pennywise, like, sunken in the water, yeah, yeah. his eyes didn't reflect in the water. It was just voids. And then, uh, turns out that was a VFX problem, and then they fixed it in the movie. It's like, damn it, that was a cool detail. Right? That's a, really That good. was cool. But, yeah. Um, it implies that there's something supernatural and I don't physical. like dark water. I don't like water. But I also love beaches. I'm dumb. Um, basements. Don't like basements. I don't like dark. I don't... I just... No. It also does the wiggly-woo thing It does the wiggly, hate. the wiggly, squiggly, screamy shit that I can't stand. I... Don't I don't understand do that at all. It's, Every horror movie, I don't understand the Wiggly Woo and how it's scary. I don't know. But I really like how that movie handled... Uh, it sounds corny, but like all the adolescent stuff, where it's yep. like, okay, it's a movie, everything's cranked up to 20, but it still felt, A, vaguely accurate to the book, but yep. also, like... Um... So when I talked about Superman year one a couple weeks ago, and yep. I was talking about how, like, the teenagers, like, apparently terrified the teachers and the cops, and it's like, well, how the hell does this happen? It, that wasn't a problem. It felt like, okay, there prob there would there are a couple of, like, really skeevy kids in this backwoods school. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're going to do some sketchy shit. I thought all of that stuff was done really well. Um, and I liked how they leaned into Beverly way more as a character, unlike in the book where... Mm -hmm. Stephen King has some some stuff he needs to work out. Let's probably leave it there. But I like how they took the the things that were implied in the book and then they kind of developed them more. And they were they they were, I can't say tactful. It's a horror movie, but for a horror movie, it was fairly tactful in how they handled it. They that left this... her abusive relationship more implied than the book, but and it was, it was more, tasteful. Yeah, it was it was simultaneous. It was more implied. But it was more obvious. Yep. Versus the book, they kind of said things, but then they never really addressed it. Yep. The movie's like, 
because those were the scenes that unsettled me the most is and I think that was one of the things that the the book and the movie is the point of being like the humans are influenced almost equally as much and like humans are stupidly fucked up too and they developed that same angle into I think you mean adults yes adults sorry (laughs) um they're like the scenes with the the parents are kind of almost equally as fucked up in many aspects and I appreciated that. Um, it keeps you on your toes the whole movie because you don't know exactly what's going to happen with whatever. Um, obviously, they're not the clown, but like they're still, I don't know. Everything in Bev's house made me infinitely more uncomfortable than anything else. Yep. Um, and I, I liked how they did that. Even interwove it into like her talking to like the cashier. There were a couple of, like the pharmacy. They They developed the theme more heavily than just, it's just her dad. No, like that's a lot of people that are like that. Right. Um, There's layers to this movie. Layers. And it's just, it's good. It feels like I would be okay taking a 15-year-old to see this. Yeah. It doesn't feel like this, you know, usually when there's like an adult or like a, we talked about it with Birds of Prey where a little bit, like where the age demographic is lower than the rating Mm -hmm. and that doesn't really work. This is like, okay, yeah, you'd have to take your kid to it. But I feel like this is fine for like teenagers to watch. There were actually like 12 or 13-year-olds sitting in front of me and it was kind of fun watching them jump. I don't remember who was in the theater with me. I was way too locked onto this. <laughs> um, All right. So what's another one of your favorites? I'm just going to look at my shelf. Because that makes it easier than trying to flick through the thing in my mind. Lighthouse doesn't count. Yes, it does. Lighthouse does count. But I'm not going to talk about it because I've already talked about the lighthouse mouth. Three hours later. Can you move it along? I'm all out of time cards. You recently watched Midsommar. Oh, Mid- yes, Midsommar. Um, that's how I say that title. It's not yeah. Midsummer. It's Midsommar. Something like that. Um, yeah, that's a really good one since you brought it up. I wouldn't put it on my list of favorites. I kind of don't want to rewatch it, mm. but it was one of those things. It's a really good first watch. It sticks with you really well. Um, I firmly believe you st- need to watch It Follows. It's part of that. I'm going to. There's no jump scares or anything like that. It's just subtle. Back to It real slow. quick. They they did almost, it's almost entirely jump scares, but none of them felt shitty. And that's why it didn't bother me. Because almost all of the scares are jump scares. And you know that they're coming too. It's yeah. blatant. Oh no, it's not trying to be tricky about it. It's a matter right. of if the jump scare is jump scare is crafted well enough, it's still going to scare you. Like the clown room again, you you open the door and you're like, something's Fuck. gonna jump. Also, I just hated that other door with just like the head oh. That was nasty. Yeah. I knew that was going to... As soon as I heard the voice... If I hear voices in the dark, if it's a feminine or a childlike voice, I am booking it. I don't <laughs> care. I'm leaving your dangling dead six-year-old to die. Fuck you. Oof. No. So anyway, It Follows is uh, very, very slow-paced, and there's no jump scares as far as I remember, and it's just all subtle details on screen that you're like... Why is that there? That's scary. So I've I think it's really up your good alley. Things. I have heard that it kind of fell apart in the third act a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it is really, it is on the list. It is very high. I will be watching it in the next month or two. It's um, just within your genre, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Quiet Place half counts. It's a horror movie, but yep. there's just enough. It's it leans further into the other aspects where it barely counts. Wonder. It's a great fucking movie. There's I like two small critiques with it. Second one, I love equally, but there you can make arguments that it's worse. Whatever. Um, I recently that rewatched that one, and... It's so good. You remove... you uh, My one beef. You remove where you see the damn alien in the beginning of the movie, those couple of frames where they're on the bridge, where the kid dies. You remove seeing it, 
infinitely better movie because now you know what it looks like. That's the thing with horror is yep. once you know what it looks like, it's always less scary. Right. And they hide it fairly well for the rest of the movie. You get little bits here and there. But you see the whole thing in broad daylight. It's short. It's a handful of frames. It's like half a second. Right. But it's enough. You don't need to see the kid get picked up and dro- You don't need to see that. The look, the the amazing act, the, the performance from John Krasinski in that moment when he's you that's all you needed. You don't need the rest of that. That just bothers me because it's such a good movie and the script was really cool because, like, it was weird. Like, the, the physical script was funky. I can't think of her name. Who? The queen to John Krasinski. Emily Blunt? Thank you. The, Holy The wife crap. he relentlessly makes fun of because she's British. <laughs> he starts, like, roasting her in interviews for being British. It's really funny. Dang. Anyways. Um... No, that movie just portrays their relationship and marriage as, like, absolute Chad. Oh, Kings abs- and queens. Absolutely. Even when they're having... It, it It doesn't make it look like it's perfect at all. Right. But they handle all of their problems fairly maturely. Yeah. And I, I really like how well developed the prob... The, like, the family trauma is woven into how the narrative functions. It's not layers for the sake of having drama or being spicy that gets it, the narrative it adds into the story it's they've like the whole thing been handed a shit you know hand of cards and they've learned how to get through it and still like not want to kill each other yeah also it was one of the few things i i've never really liked emily blunt that much this made me go look back at her her biography and go ah nope I miss I was missing something there because she she has a lot of really good performances hmm. that one was the one that was like ah I should look into this I was not a fan of Sicario and that's pretty much all I'm coming up with really I hated that movie it's right there with Hurt Locker I hate you okay also you hate Hurt Locker yeah I hate you okay you have shit war movie taste <laughs> um the Sicario sequel is very mid. Uh, admittedly she's not in that but I don't know of anything else she's in Edge of Tomorrow she was really good in Edge of Tomorrow that one pissed me off too you're such a little bitch <laughs> does the movie have that time one, travel that one annoyed like, me it was uh, is ugh. it murky I don't like it uh, that, no is that Live Die Repeat yes the name changed a thousand times yes yeah, that one was stupid. I love that movie. That was really good. Okay. They're still working on that sequel. <laughs> still, Tom it, Cruise is going to be dead. It keeps dying and coming back. That's yeah. why. Yep. Um, there's one more I had. Um, oh, fuck. Slasher movie-wise, um, the first Halloween. Oh. Hands down. Classic. It's such a cliche opinion, but it... Who didn't start the genre, but it refined it, and then everything imitated it. Yeah. Halloween 2 is really good, but you can tell that is a cynical movie. You can feel John Carpenter going, I did not want to do this. Look at what you're making me do. Right. And it's still really good, and then basically everything else since then has been... Crap. Mid to shit. Yes. I have mixed feelings on the new one. I bought the, I don't freaking know, five-pack... And I was just watching my way through for the first time. And by H2O, I was wondering why I existed. Yeah. I really... I mean, to be fair, Season of the Witch isn't that bad, but it's just so disconnected. It, it like... Right. 
I understood why the like the quote unquote, effectively the estate decided we're gonna go in an anthology direction mm-hmm. made sense, and then they immediately reverted on that decision. There's so much behind the scenes stuff with all of those horror franchises. I'm pretty sure H2O has like a 20 year old Paul Rudd. Yes, so he looks the same that he does today. Crazy. Yeah, H2O actually has a lot in common with the the 2016 one. Yep. Like a lot. Um, but the 2016 one at least looked good. To be fair, it did. Yeah, H2O looks like shit. Yes. Anyways. Um, so yeah, no, I'm a, a huge uh, defender of Halloween 2. A, a lot of people say that it doesn't even come close or whatever, and it's pretty crappy, but I argue that it, it's a substantial sequel. Oh, it's absolutely. It's one of... It's the just, better movie sequels. Oh, for sure. It starts directly after everything. It feels literally like this. There is no, oh, they're resetting up the set. No, that just feels like the same exact thing. Which right. Which is good. It is really just that attitude shift that you can feel like, okay, everything is grosser now. The kills are way nastier. And it bothered me that the remake or freaking the 2016 one next Halloween 2. I understood it's the a... decision to do so because they wanted to kill the the family thing because mm. that immediately went to hell right after two. Family. Two, two, I think, did it well. I still don't like the idea, but it was executed well, and then everything after that just brought it to hell, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I understood why they wanted to nix that. But I think the reboot trilogy is... The reboot, whatever, is effectively trying to merge the two... Uh, I guess ideologies together between because you had the ground quote unquote grounded like just this is what evil is like there is no nuance here it is just he is the boogeyman there is no real backstory here and if there is backstory it doesn't matter he's always been like this mm-hmm. which is one way of looking at it and then you have what the Rob Zombie movies do which I don't entirely hate I haven't seen those I started the first one was like it's a Rob Zombie movie. They're hard to get through. Yeah. Um, where they take the other approach of, like, how would you get there? And you can, you can... People have their different preferences between the two ideas, and I don't disagree with that at all. And I, it feels like the reboots, yeah, you can... Successful or not, um, they're trying to kind of bring those two ideas together of, like, we are going to make mythology around it, but we're not trying to make it totally like, literal witches and spells and stuff, but mm-hmm. we're going to make it more of the... kind of what you could say, like, quote-unquote, real-world magic. Like, the fact that, like, we haven't seen uh, Halloween Kills, the second movie. That's coming out pretty soon. Right. Um, and it looks like the to be able to literally kill him, they have to unmask him. Like, literally, they have to take the mask off, they have to show that it's just a dude, and then they'll be able to kill him. Like, it's this... If you're scared of the boogeyman, the boogeyman's always going to find you type of deal. It's like Candyman. If you're stupid enough to think, oh, Candyman's not real, I'm going to say his fucking name in a mirror like an idiot, then Candyman's going to kill your ass. But if you leave him alone, then you're fine. It's like that, but inverted. Like, if you always are terrified of the boogeyman, of course the boogeyman's going to terrify you. Right. But if you just find out it's just a person, then it loses that kind of power to it. I think that's kind of what they're going for. I just don't exactly think they're doing it that well. But it made money, so they're going to keep going until the sequels are done. I usually claim to be anti-spiritual horror, like possession and and demons and stuff like that. The first Exorcist is a masterpiece, though. Oh, yeah. 
It's just, I can't watch anything else. Um, the movie makes me so uncomfortable. I don't know if it counts, but Oculus was really good. Are you talking about the video game? No. No, the movie. I don't think I've watched that. Woman tries to exonerate her brother, who was convicted of murder by proving that the crime was committed by a supernatural phenomenon. Holy crap, it's Karen Gillan. I gotta watch it again. <gasps> Mummy? And Katie Sackhoff. I remember her. That's a stacked cast. How have I never heard of this? I don't know. Probably because it's a spiritual horror movie and I avoid those. Kind of like a haunted house, but also uh, something about the mirror or something. I don't know. I don't remember it too, too well, but I remember actually liking it and being surprised. Huh. I will look into that. I am not suggesting it because I don't remember it well. Fair. It is now recorded. Um, um what else is... Conjuring. I was happily surprised by that one. I've. It's the only like horror movie, like spiritual, like yeah, mainstream horror movie franchise I give a pass to. I don't like it, but I can appre- I guess I appreciate it, that it it's good. Does a yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. I just hate it. <laughs> and it's also fifty-fifty demon spiritual stuff and just like haunted house stuff. Yeah, I also don't like haunted house stuff. I so that does bother me. Really haven't Those seen those overlap it enough. Done well. I'm gonna be a call in here and watch Haunting a Hill House. It'll kill you. You guys keep telling me that, and I keep trying it. It's like it starts out so slow. I'm trying. I yeah. really am trying. Um, that's another one that's on that list. Um, Amityville Horror. I've seen the original. It's, eh, fine. it's fine. Um, Don't Breathe is really good. I haven't watched the sequel yet. I want to do that while it's still in theaters because apparently it's. I think you're way too late. I don't think so. I, I think I can still find it. Okay. Um, but apparently it did that whole we're gonna make a sequel about the bad guy, but it doesn't like actually redeem the bad guy, and apparently it's not bad. Interesting. Which is always impressive. I haven't um, seen either of those. It's really good. It's a short. It's it's a bre- effectively bunch of idiots break into a house. They're like, look at this blind guy, and then the blind guy beats them all to death. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. Um, it's real. It's really good. It's Excellent. tense. It doesn't feel like. It feels like th- this is a bad guy. Like this is a bad man, but it doesn't mean like he is. <laughs> it does evil. not mean you're a bad guy. No, like, he's still <laughs> a bad guy. It's no. Yeah, we're not talking like straight. It's like, but he's not like evil. You know, like there's mm. that difference between like. This is a bad person, but like they're kind of minding their own business, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't agree with that on like a life scale, but in a movie, it kind of works. You wanna. It doesn't be like. They're an anti-hero now, and that's what the sequel looked like it was kind of doing, but apparently it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It makes them, like, the anti-villain, which is... Cause we, we use those so interchangeably, like, Venom's an anti-hero, which is true, he is. Yep. But, like, at first he was more like an anti-villain. It's a villain who does some good guy things. Right. Same with people Daredevil. Just, they, exactly. Or, uh, freaking Deadpool. Yeah, they people just kind of throw those two as, like, the same thing as just being in the middle. Right. Um, that, I thought, was really cool. Also, nasty hammer kills. Um, blind guy doing shit. It's it's old man Daredevil, baby. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I'm sold. Um, there was one other one. What was it? Do not say paranormal activity. No. That one sucked. No, it blows. And I haven't seen any of the sequels. It sucks. Uh, Blair Witch I've tried. Found footage is so difficult I've, to watch. I get how that was like the best found footage. I understand. But it. I don't like found footage. No. The same with Cloverfield. It's just so hard to watch. So you're talking Cloverfield, Cloverfield. Yes. Yeah. The first one. Yeah, so Cloverfield was Especially good. when 
the cameraman is running and it's just automatically looking up at nothingness. It's like, what am I watching? Yeah, it. Yeah, I did like it because I like I like good disaster movies, but almost all disaster movies blow. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. I love Ten Cloverfield Lane mm-hmm. because Close Quarters. Sullivan. Yes. Sully. Yeah. Um. I I love John. I love John Goodman. Yep. Man is a, an absolute legend. And I like how it didn't overdo the... That movie was rated PG-13, I think. But it wasn't like... The implication was effective... The movie's been out for years now. The implication was effectively that he had probably trapped multiple other people there and potentially done many nasty things to them. Mm-hmm. But it never felt like it was leaning so, like too hard into that. Mm-hmm. There were still moments of brevity and there were moments of like causing doubt in that idea. Because it's John Goodman! You know, right? It's Sully. The he, worst thing that he's done in his acting career is the Transformer movies. True. And even then, he was still really good. Yeah. A shining light in a shitty movie. Yeah, I I just really like that. Obviously, Cloverfield Paradox is where it lost the plot entirely. Yep. We're not gonna talk about that. Um, but I am still hopeful for another one. It's dead. The franchise is dead. Dude. No. Dude, franchise is dead. I need answers. Because they, they, the franchise was only built on obtaining IPs and then rebranding them. It's dead. Overlord. That's what I was thinking of. We have to talk about zombies now. We avoided zombies. Um, so Overlord was, I think, it was originally rumored to become a Cloverfield movie, and then it wasn't. Hmm. It's not groundbreaking, um, but it is very good. It, it's, it's, it's Nazi zombies. <laughs> It's just good stuff. It's, Perfect. It's got some good kills. It's lots of action. Um, yeah, I, I liked that a lot. Um, I have not seen this one. 28 Days Later is like the class. I, technically, they're not zombies. If you're going to only watch one zombie movie ever and not watch like the Romero classic stuff, watch 28 Days Later. Fucking amazing movie. 28, was it weeks or months later? Is weeks. not as great. It's still fine. Um, I want to get, I'm going to give a shout out to the babysitter, not because it was amazing, but because it was something I watched semi recently and I kind of liked it was it. The babysitter movies are kind of cool for one. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't fault me. I never had a good babysitter, so I'm living vicariously through like elementary school kids in movies. Um, but it was nice. I really liked Samara weaving. Um, and that was kind of cool. The sequel was absolute dog shit for many reasons because they pushed the, like, it's supposed to take place, like, one year after, but because of how they were released and filmed and then COVID, it was, like, like five years. So the the kid hit puberty, like, hard. Right. It's so bad. It's atrocious. It's whatever. But the first one's, like, fine. It's got, it has Vine stars in it as the teenagers, and that part is cringe, but there are some decent funny bits in there. I remember the the best, my favorite part about that movie, like you said, it's it's fine, but it you watch it and you're like, I thought this was a horror movie, and then it suddenly changes. You're like, did that just happen? I didn't and, know you watched it. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, no, because at first I was like, I'm waiting for it. I'm like, I like, I like when movies don't have, they don't feel the need to jump right into the horror. They do yeah. the build up. I'm like, it's, oh, damn, that's kind of, that's actually pretty terrifying, especially being like a kid. It's like a normal movie about anything, and then it's just a sudden gear shift. It's like, whoa. Yeah, and it does that, like, you could probably call it a slasher, I guess, would probably be yes. the closest thing. But that's a bunch of teenagers. There's no demons or whatever. It's just a bunch of people that want to live forever or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
I love... I hate... Um, I don't remember his name. Not Steve Amell. Not Stephen Amell. Because that's... Robbie. Robbie Amell. There we go. I hate him. Okay. Because he's like 35 and he's still being cast as a 17-year-old dude, bro. <laughs> I hate it. He's obnoxious and annoying. But if I removed his face and I pretend like he's a younger person, the weird dynamic he had with the main character was kind of funny. I kind of liked that. Mm. Where it's like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, but like, before I kill you, I'm gonna teach you how to like throw a punch and like you're gonna fight back. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a head start. Like I'm gonna make this like remotely for I I don't know. I found that kind of funny. Interesting. It broke up some of the tension to it with like the other characters. Mm-hmm. I hate King Box so much. He's a black guy doing blackface and I can't stand it. He makes me want to kill myself. Uh, the one black dude in the movie, you know. I saw it three years ago. It did come out a while ago. Anyways, um, he's just obnoxious as fuck. Um. Invisible Man from 2020. Oh, shit. That was like the last thing I got to watch in theaters. Yeah. That was really good. Colin loved it when we were watching it, and then afterwards he's like, I actually hated it, and he's never explained <laughs> why because he's an idiot. Um, it's really I good. really liked it in theaters. Upon rewatch, it falls apart, I think. In what way? If you say the two, the two precious words, I'm going to kill you. Don't say the two words. Game over? No. Happily ever? No. No. The two words that lazy people bring up when criticizing movies. I don't know. Anyway, um, like the opening scene when she's stumbling through the house That's is super so... annoying. It like when she kicks the dog bowl or something. It's like just slow down, take your time. You have a planned escape. Follow the plan. Nope. She's gonna trip all the alarms and kick the dog and whatever else and make a, as much noise as possible. I, it's just super annoying. See, the reason I didn't that didn't bother me was because I can't sneak. Like I try. Like I have difficulty when I get up before other people not making noise. I try really hard to be quiet, but I never. I'm clumsy. I have big feet and I'm tall and wide. I'm gonna break something. Like so, I felt that, and it's especially in a, in in the. I think it more implies that's how nervous she is. Like, she can't even, like, walk in a straight line. It's mm. so terrifying. And I guess that just worked for me. It was more that she wasn't watching where she was walking. But um, uh, later, when the really sharp knife is suddenly floating in the air, and everybody just stares at it. Like, just cliche horror movie cliches that, that are, like... That was the one kill that was, like, <sighs> that didn't play out well. The idea of, like, doing that, like... The plot of it is fucking awesome. Right. Like, the, the way no, that they adapted really the story and the fairly tactful way, I would think, if, again, for a horror movie, that mm -hmm. they handled, like, abusive relationships, I thought was done really well. You know, and... the, they handled the paranoia and the, like, creeping feeling that, like, they're, they still have their fingers in you. <laughs> that would have been fine until you turtled. Like, that feeling was really good. It just, that, that's, that one scene is like, you see the knife and you're like, damn it, mm -hmm. that looks bad. Mm-hmm. And then the kill doesn't have any impact because of it. And it's dumb. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the, the spooky feeling of, of the slow burn through most of the movies done even really a long well. It's not a movie either. It's only like 90 minutes, but it right. feels but so most slow because the camera it. just chills and then the camera right. tilts into these empty rooms and you're like, what the fuck? Right. Can you stop? You're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it does that really, really well. And 
it's not even crazy on effects. Like the the third act, where I think it falls apart kind of a little bit, oh. is where they're using CG and it's like kind of clunky. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad movie at all. I'm yeah, just saying I, I, it's not as good as you remember it no, watching it not. the first time. For sure. I definitely think there's something there. I, I think it's probably... I, I always hate saying held together by because it implies everything else isn't good, but, like, lead performance is amazing. Like, that sells it so well. Not just uh, the lead. Like, no. the, the the family that she moves in with and, and lives with, is both of those guys are, are acted really well. Like, I, I liked how well it did, it did the implications. Like... Mm-hmm. They never go over what actually happened. They don't, in, in in the sense of it feels like they're trying to go, um, we're not trying to, like, make people relive their own shit if they watch this movie. Like, we're implying what he does. But Bad Juju Magumbo happened. Exactly. And she gotta get out. And she's got, and then you can see, I the, the one that really, like, got me hooked was the, the first scare. When he comes yeeting out of the woods and breaks the car window... I didn't see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. I saw it. I was like, oh, I, it gave me a heart attack because it's such a quick cut. And then it shows you like how fucking insane he is. And then because of how the rest of the movie treats, that's like, did that even happen? It's so much that really, really subtle gaslighting of like, he's setting her up. Yes, we know that. But like the fact of how it interferes with her operating in the world and people are like, we want to believe you, but some of this is kind of crazy. And like, we're going to, and some people are, they're trying, but they make it worse. And it just, I liked that general attitude. And I liked the ending. Sue me. It had the, 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 the Slay Queen bullshit, and I loved it. I, I, thought, I need to watch it again. I, but it, I remember the first time watching it being confused about how she got the suit. It could have been me. It could have been the movie. I don't remember. When she was in the house the, the second to last time, yep. when she broke in... It showed the closet, and then the closet was open, and then I think it showed her move, and then it showed, like, the spot where the suit was, basically. Something like that. It was, it was, you could have blinked. Yeah, it was strongly implied, but not explained, and it's like, how did she get the, so? I just, I really liked that ending. Like, I liked the, the whole scene at the table, where it's like... Holy cow, maybe, 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 maybe the movie's been presenting all of this information wrong. It makes you have a just enough doubt. Like, wait a minute, is she the villain? Yeah, it's like, wait, did the... I don't want to believe that, but, like, this dude's amazing at gaslighting. Holy hell. And then yeah. she fucking kills him, and then you're like, now nah, we're good. We're good. This is great. Well, no, that's not what I was saying. It was like, it sows the seed of, like, maybe it wasn't all just him. Maybe she had a little bit to do with it, and then she kills him and walks away with the suit. Like, is she going to be the villain now and do bad things? I'm very glad that they never implied or said that they were going to make sequels. Exactly. I'm very happy about that, because that could have been so bad. Yep. Good. Yeah, really good theater experience. Yep. Dude, the the freaking one in the attic. Oh, where she was like... I hate, I hate so much that that was ruined by the commercial. Because oh, it's it was. such a great jump scare. That, that one made me actually, like, jump back in my seat. Because yep. it's, it's that right in your face, you want to move. She's like, I'm going to dump the paint down there. I'm like, that's a good idea. You do that, queen. And then just right fucking there. Yeah. And that made, I was like, I want to reach into the screen and just <laughs> punch tw- him. No, just twist his fucking head. <laughs> Anyways. 
Um, it makes me angry that that was ruined. I don't remember, I don't think I saw that ad before I saw it, but I've definitely seen that advertisement. Anyways, spooky stuff is cool. Yes. Um, watch we could, Coraline. We could we go ramble forever. much watch longer. Watch Coraline. Just do it. Okay. Great movie. What is it on? Anything? I have no fucking clue. That's it's probably on Disney at this point. I don't know. I don't remember what company it's made by. Watch the original. Go on um, YouTube and look up Sandman stop motion animation. It has nothing to do with Sandman, but it doesn't. It is another Neil Gaiman like thing. It's fucking terrifying, and that's what kind of gave some of the inspiration for Coraline. All right. Uh, so moving on, we will now talk about Marvel's What If. Yes, so we're at episode seven, which is what if Thor was an only child? I probably could have segued much smoother with like the ending of Invisible Man and gone into what if, but whatever, it's too late now. Fine. What if Thor was an only child? And uh, we quickly find out that Loki's still alive. He just uh, was returned to the, the frost giants and is a frost giant. He's tall now. He's really big, yeah. but it still has a really sexy voice. <laughs> It's really funny when he calls um, Jane Foster and he's like, hello. That, <laughs> it's that like, was freaking awesome. Wow. I, my heart would melt if I got a phone call and he was like, hello. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I really like that this just doubled down on it being silly. Yep. I, I, I don't enjoy how a lot of the discourse on this series has been they didn't take it seriously enough or it's been like kind of mixed it's literally what if yeah i mean i get you want you want things to have thematic importance blah 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 that's usually me making that argument but like let stuff be dumb and kind of fun like colin was bitching about zombies the whole time and i get it that episode could have been a lot better yes but this one's just like, what if we just put a shit ton of cameos and make all them the voice actors do funny stuff, and then we leave it on something important? I like that. It was funny. Almost everybody was voiced by their actual actor this episode yet again. Nice. I think that's two in a row now. Something like that. It's, um, it's improved. The only one... No, there were two. Jax the Destroyer wasn't, and uh, Captain Marvel was not Yes. the original voice. Which is weird, but yes. Quite. I like that. It was fun. Yep. The action was actually better than I was expecting. The jokes landed. The jokes were all funny. It got the... I just love how it's like, yeah, Thor's still a big old baby child, and they're running away from literally mom. That's funny. That got me. This is probably my favorite... Um, how do I say it? Darcy really annoyed me in the first two movies. She was just... Super annoying, and I begged her to shut up. But WandaVision and now What If have done her really well. She's super funny. The writing has improved a lot. It feels a lot less pop culture reference-y. Yeah. Even though she's still making pop culture references. It doesn't it, feel as tacked it, on. Yeah. It's less clunky. Yeah. I mean, and I... It's actually funny. I liked her in the first two movies, but that was also I was also younger when those came out. I was... a. 10 and 12 so it hit and i've always liked cat dennings leave me alone well yeah <laughs> i mean this character probably could have been done better but like it's still kind of funny whatever i like it but yeah definitely a lot better now also now she's mrs the duck that's great i love it that's howard so the duck was so good in this so so freaking crazy 
Grandmaster is just running around on a motorized scooter for no reason. I like that it's just shove everything It's in just here. funny. It's very, yeah, it's, it's They brought funny. back Thor calling Rocket a, a rabbit. Yeah. And it's still funny. I still fall for it. They did. They did a lot of uh, self-referential jokes, and even Captain Marvel did some of the same like poses and like mm-hmm. stuff. Like there, it's very self-referential, but it didn't feel like really circle jerky about it. So that was cool. I don't know. I liked it. There isn't much to discuss. It's just it was fun. I would rewatch. I I really like the Doctor Strange episode, even though there's probably some some weird problems with that one. But like this is something I would just rewatch because it's funny. Because it's lighthearted and fun. Yes. Yeah. Thor's the moron. Absolute, nice. probably top joke of the year so far is Darcy saying, ask that guy, he looks like a loser. And he says, that's a lot coming from a brunette. I don't know why it's so funny, but it kills me. I- that's because you grew up with redheads. So they were always torturing brunettes because they're just better. Also brunettes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> So Star Wars Visions came out this week. All nine of the first episodes. I think they said they're going to be doing more. Um, but because we are lazy and we want to milk it for content, we're going to just discuss one per week because reasons. So we had the first episode, which was the duel. and um, I wasn't listening. I heard Disney's Mommy Milkers. Continue. <laughs> this was the episode I was looking forward to. Yep. I liked how they're probably leading with the strongest episode like you usually do. Yep. But this was the one that I got excited for in the marketing. This one has a freaking spin-off book coming out that I need. This is the type of anime that I like to watch. When I watch stuff that isn't Studio Ghibli because everyone loves it. Like, if I'm going to go watch, like, classic anime, I like stuff like this. It's all hand-done. It's awesome. And because they did, because, um, A, it's 2D and mostly black and white, and they did, like, it's all pencil sketches, effectively. Mm-hmm. They're able to do everything with the same amount of quality. And that's something I don't like about anime, is effectively how cheap it is. That's the point. That's why it's like, well, anime, it just, it's more creative because they have, like, low budgets, and it's usually hand-done. But then it's static background with characters walking but not really going anywhere. Like, stuff like that I can't stand. I It's a utility. It just bothers me. This episode has none of that because they're just, it, it, they they found a way to balance the production value and then the the aesthetic is gorgeous they got the film grain going on it's, oh i've got a lot to talk about this one Ooh. i like the black and white with the cut co- the use meat. of the colors that's what i wanted you freaking always geek out about color usage and i'm like you're a nerd but this one i get it that There's is awesome subtle light bulbs Just lights. with blue and green uh, the, the bad guy's ship rolls up and it's all dark inside except for the red lights yeah. to give it, ooh, spook. Spooky. And then the troopers come out of that ship shooting yellow blasters. Yeah. It's so good. This is, I, I don't mean to go there, but this is what I kind of wanted the, the Justice is Grey version of Justice League to look like. Yeah, the subtle use of colors. Yeah, yeah. in like... Because I do think it is a really good, like, grayscale version of a movie. I really do think it is. But I feel like if they had done only the colored lighting effects in color, like Cyborg's, like, core, mm-hmm. and, like, the headlight, and the lightning, and the... Oh, oh that would have been so hot. Oh. All Sorry. right. Enough of Zack Daddy Cut. I know. Um, I really like that the Ronin 
catches the lightsaber with like the, the classic yeah. samurai movies, <laughs> but he caught it with the force. That was really creative and kind of funny, but really good. I liked great. that. Uh, I liked the, the bad guy's mask thing. It's such a cliche anime thing, but I, I just like it. It kind of kills me that she's walking in super high heels. But whatever, Sith do Sith. Oh yeah, why not? They're they're all over dramatic bitches. I mean, look at Count Dooku. He's literally wearing his like government robes. Like they're all really opulent, self indulgent people. I like the interesting hook that he used to be a Sith, but now he's killing Sith. But I want more lore now. I, that's why I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sure I feel that's like why. The, I think the book is a prequel, actually. I think, I don't know, I didn't look into it at all. Mm. I, I I think that's why it's getting a book, is because there's a lot more, there's clearly a fuck ton of backstory to that. That's just really cool, because I didn't see that coming! You I, were really funny when he opens his cloak and he's got all the Kuiper crystals I lined just up. I busted a nut. I was like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming, that's right? cool as hell. Not right? just, this is, because it turns it on its head, it goes from, this is a coincidental occurrence of him just happening to be in the area, versus... He set this up. Yep. That's entirely different. This is a 13 episode short. And that just flips the whole fucking thing. That's so cool. What did you think of her lightsaber sunbrella thing? I got no fucking problems with it. It's funny, but I don't care. It's goofy. It's so goofy. I don't care. I don't care, man. It's cool. I kind of like it. I like the fact that it wasn't they're all individual blades. It does like what... Um, lightsabers that have cross guards now do mm-hmm. is their vents they are functional but it's kind of a coincidence like it's a splitter it was she pulled her lightsaber out of it and then you right. can see where it it's not just it, a bunch of lightsabers it's like a tactical light that goes on a gun or something exactly like, it's just an add-on yeah and that it makes cool. sense because if she was fighting with that the whole time that would have been weird yes. and it, it got that little bit of goofiness like i know people make fun of like star wars rebels because they have like helicopter lightsabers kind of really? yeah not as over the top as this and they're practical like they they self-spin like effectively there's a button on it oh and yeah, yeah and sometimes that's really cool and sometimes they use them to like hover and it's like slowly descend and it's really goofy but this feels like a better way to do that yeah. you know it looks like a big fan like if she was carrying like a fan or an umbrella do you see people do weird shit with normal objects in anime why not make it a lightsaber too what killed me was at the end of the episode, the Ronin gives the kid chief dude the the add-on. And it's like, wow, thanks? If only I had a lightsaber to use it with. No, he, with gave, he gave the crystal to the chief. No, and no, then he, no gave he gave the, the crystal. He gave the attachment to the... The, the, um, the shopkeeper dude? The merchant, dude. whatever dude yeah, that he was with. All right. I'm assuming probably so he can pay, he can like Resell sell it, it off to a collector and then pay his problems. All right, and then that makes the, more sense. Yeah. I, I thought like, he gave the kid the add-on, and I'm like, what is he going to do with that? No, he gave the, the kid chief boy the crystal. Yeah. That was nice. Yes. Oh, like, It's got a lot of them in there. What's the like, kid like, going to do with the crystal? It wards off evil. <laughs> dude, it's When it's Wars. formed into a sword. Dude, it's Star Wars. They're already... The point of this is it's non-canonical weird lore shit. They just do that now. Leave it alone. I want the kid to form a lightsaber and then become a villain and hunt down the Ronin. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm I... glad Colin isn't here for this episode to hear us be actually excited about anime. Yeah, I'm sure he's butthurt about something. But I hope that I want more of this. Not just this one thing, but this 
style. That's the type of stuff I like. I, I want like this quality. Yes. I don't want it to drop because this was actually really good. Very, I was surprised and I'm it, very happy. The music was done really well too. It was evocative of a couple of things that have been done previously, but they were inventive enough. It had just that little bit of other new stuff kind of thrown in. It felt good. This felt like what if Star Wars wasn't turned into a movie originally because it, it's based off of westerns, which are based off of samurai. It felt like that. This feels like... It's such a cliche thing. This feels like Star Wars. But what if Star Wars wasn't made by a white dude? <laughs> Effectively, what if it wasn't George Lucas? It bothered me one time when I heard Duel of the Fates. It was like, that should be kept to its original use. I would argue You're with right. that. They changed it after a few notes, but... The reason that I would argue that is because the meaning of that was originally, this is the first, uh, it was the first use that, uh, of, of John Williams using uh, v uh, voice in any Star Wars stuff. Not, mm. obviously, jazz music, not, not sorry, jizz music doesn't count. In, like, the actual orchestration, it was the first time that there were voices used for chant. And that was meant to represent the fact that the Jedi and the Sith were finally clashing again because we hadn't had that. The, you know, the Sith have been, quote-unquote, extinct for however long. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to represent that. And the only other times it's been used, mostly by Kevin Kiner in The Clone Wars and Rebels, is a handful of uses around mostly Maul um, and, like, the reawakening of the Sith type deal. And it felt like this fit that usage. <laughs> Music. Yes. I want more. I was really surprised. The droid had a hat. The, he the did. The freaking Harkin <laughs> had a straw hat. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm going to like this. Yep. It's a good sense of humor about it. It just felt like an old, old school yes. samurai ninja movie. Like black and white. Yep. Especially when he caught the sword with his hands. It's like yeah, old school. And that's why, when I say I like anime and I like manga and I really love martial arts movies, this is the type of stuff I'm talking about. Yep. It's not to be the boomer in the room and go, okay, well, I don't like what anime is now, which is mostly true. I don't. But, like, when most people think of anime, they don't think of that sort of stuff. And that's right. fine. But I like the old original stuff. Not to, <laughs> There's no way to not sound like a boomer about it. But right. Like, I love watching... I watch freaking Bruce Lee movies all the time. I like old school martial arts movies with wire work and real martial arts going on. And the same thing goes for anime. Like, I like... The, the swords and the actual fighting. I don't like how anime as a... I don't know. It sounds almost reductive. I like anime as a subgenre, not as a medium. That doesn't sound good. Because I like it when anime has fairly... Kind of restrictive like ideas on what it is. Mm -hmm. And that makes it into a subgenre. But it's not. It is a medium. Just like saying I like animated movies. You're an idiot. Animation is just a medium you can do anything with. So in that sense, I'm wrong in being very reductive. But I like that. I like that vibe to it. It feels nice. It's like reading old school Star Wars manga, because those do exist. You like the stuff that puts effort into it. A really solid story, really well done choreography. Leans into the tropes of the medium in and of itself instead of only using it because people that like anime will watch it. Not the dime a dozen, yeah. the villain meets the hero, and they're one-upping each other because they have the bigger dick. Yeah. I do have a little bit of a soft spot for some Dragon Ball, but, like, yeah, I, I don't like how effectively everything now... It, 
I sound like such a boomer. This is really bad for me. Welcome to my life. I know, but I don't usually feel this way about stuff. It's Embrace just, the boom. I see, you know, fun, like Funimation or Crunchyroll, and I'm like, this yeah. is all the same. Yep. Not because it's all the same, but it, it they use the same tropes. It's like school of magic. Mm-hmm. It's teenagers or teenagers on a road trip because it's evocative of Pokemon. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't like that. It's boring. The teenage archetypes are atrocious. They're painful to watch and listen to they do all look the same yep and it's like no i'm not saying it because they're all asian because this this shit they all look different as hell it's almost like an entire continent full of people don't look the same yeah isn't that a crazy thing to say and a little bit edgelord not really i know uh move on because then we're just gonna keep talking about this this like 10 minutes of content forever Uh, what have you been up to? So, I'm going to double up real quick. Yeah. You've done that so many times. Sorry. Sorry. But it is appropriate. I read Heroes in Crisis Ooh. and the addendum. Uh, Heroes in Crisis, The Price, and Other Stories. Wow. So, I borrowed Heroes in Crisis from you. Yes, sir. And then I found the single issues all boxed up together for like... 25 bucks and i was like yeah it's like the same price as the actual book so i might as well yes Uh, this is gonna be interesting i really really like the premise uh there is a safe house a safe space uh recovery center but it's also like just a safe haven like safe space isn't good enough it's it's a a, 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 it's home (laughs) exactly uh for supers to go to and try to rehabilitate because of all the awful things that their writers have put them through. It's almost that kind of fourth wall <laughs> breaking. Almost, a little bit. It's kind of funny, but also like, yeah, these it's, guys always think, are going through awful I things. Think it's a Tom King thing. He's really good at doing that sort of referencing what's going on, but not in a fourth wall like yeah. breaking manner. It's a matter of I'm walking into this story aware of what else has happened. Yeah. I think, I mean, Miracle Man is literally all about that, but also his I Batman mean- run, which I am revisiting, some of which is good, some of which is bad, is very fourth wall aware. It's trying to push it in a direction it hasn't gone before with developments we haven't seen stick. You meant Mr. Miracle. Fuck! <laughs> Every time! Um, so yeah, uh, the book opens up with everybody in the safe haven dead, and... Blue Beetle, right? No, Booster Cole. Yes. And Harley Quinn are fighting because they think the other killed everybody, and they're the last survivor that's good. Uh, and then the... Justice League, I believe, has yeah. to investigate and figure out what happened. Yeah, Batman walks over, he, he, he wipes the ground, he smells the fingerprints. Yes. <laughs> I knew immediately it wasn't either of them. Oh, yeah. That wasn't a surprise. No, not at all. I was. Did you, did, did you see the twist, though? I was annoyed by it. It oh, felt like a cop-out. I don't like you! Spoilers. It's the Flash doing time travel stuff. Like, that's so easy... Especially so close to Flashpoint, and we're getting so much Flashpoint stuff anyway. It's like I guess that makes you sense. couldn't have come up with another answer. See the, the like that's the gimme. 
if you really sat and thought about it, that's the easy one. I guess. I think the reason for that, so most people agree with you on that one. This is a very controversial book. Not okay. like splits the fan base. But no, like, I freaking love it. It's really either, good. It's that either they like the twist or they think it's overdone. And most of the other writers in DC don't seem to have liked it because it's been retconned about five times since this came out in 2019. Yikes. Um, that's very recently. That's dumb. People have a, a, a there. It's mostly because of Wally West, because when new 52 happened, he got pushed out of existence. Right. And then when he got pulled back in and then people haven't really known what to do with him. So when he gets kind of tossed around, people get really upset about it, which right. I, I can get why if you're attached to a character and then they kind of get treated like shit or you think they're being treated like shit. It makes sense. I've liked him going through hell and back because it makes him more interesting so he's not just a Barry Allen ripoff. I have never followed the Flash lore closely, so there's always a missing Flash, and there's always one that died too early, and there's always the current one, but that current one changes out in between the three of them or whatever, so it's like... Yeah. Guy yeah. in red suit, go zoom. <laughs> Without paying a lot of attention to it, it all gets seamy. If you pay attention to it, it's yeah. not... But as a passive follower... No, that makes sense. It's just... I don't know. I I think the point that Tom King was trying to make... I haven't looked into a lot of like interviews about this or whatever, mm -hmm. but it seemed like this was trying to do what Identity Crisis did, but not shit. It's supposed to be this is a very mental health-focused book. We're going to deconstruct some shit. We're going to throw some characters under the bus for the sake of trying to explore some themes and not everybody's going to like it. And I feel like that was kind of how the ending made more... It felt more... Like, I sat down after I read it, and I read it a second time, and then I started, like, doodling in my head trying to figure out exactly how everything worked. And I was like, that's kind of the point that you're not supposed to do. And sometimes that can be used as a cop-out. Like, you're just supposed to feel it and not think about it. That can be used really poorly. Yep. But usually comic books, especially when it comes to The Flash and time travel, it's always... How exactly does this make sense? How exactly... Did, that doesn't... It's like, can you stop being so focused on the lore for five minutes and focus <laughs> on the characters and the story? Right. And it and did the characters like super well. There are so many interviews with so many characters. I don't know a quarter of them at least. But Those interviews were so good. It's so good. It does what it wants to do very well. That's it. Tell me the it, art's sexy and I'm not wrong. The art is sexy and you're not wrong. Yes. I really love how each issue incorporates the title Heroes in Crisis into the scenery or what's happening in the picture. And it's almost always a double wide, if not always. I don't remember. But yeah, no, it's it, a lot of double wides. Yeah. So sexy. And it's like, it's so good. It's really good. It's really good. It's worth the money. I also, I just, I like the continual. I like Harley Quinn's a good guy now. It's so weird to think over, like, since she was in, brought in in, like, the late 90s, and then she was thrown into the comics, the past, basically, since, like, New 52 era, it's just been trying to give her stories to, like, redeem her effectively, and now she's, like, part of the Bat family, for fuck's sake. I, I just, I love that. I think you mean good girl? Good girl. Yes. Yeah, but Dickie has sexual undertones on it, what which is acceptable. It? But, you know. All right. So, The Price and Other Stories collects Batman number 64 and 65, The Flash 64 and 65, The Flash Annual number 2, Green Arrow 45, 48, and 50. Or, sorry, 48 through 50. 45, 48 through 50. 
the two Batman, two Flash issues are interlinked. Yes, it is one story. Uh, very, very, very reminiscent of The Button. Yep. Uh, also even, written by Tom King and Joshua Williamson. They reference The Button, and they're like, wow, it's so good to work with you again and investigate something, and it's actually done much better than The Button because they're actually investigating, and it makes sense. I really liked it, this crossover. It was done really well, super interesting, worth the price that I spent on the book. Did you like the fact that it ended up having literally nothing to do with Heroes in Crisis, though? They, it, they were investigating something because of Heroes of Crisis, but it right. wasn't even related. It no, was it referenced was... to, to the Batman run. I hated that. Really? Because I was like, I want the, it's a it's a companion to the event, right? And that has nothing to do with the event except in premise, in all of execution, and it's going over stuff from the Batman run. I also hated too. I think they easier. explained it well enough. I didn't know anything about the Batman run. No idea about the characters, but they they introduced them and their backstory enough that I was like. All right, I don't need to read 63 issues of Batman to understand what's going on. Um, no, I was really good with it. Uh, and I liked... It, it was more the effects of Heroes in Crisis that they were portraying. Yeah. Of what happened and how the characters were reacting. It just and felt like it was weird to Segwaying to... back into their normal run. That, I just, it feels like kind of a... We're going to try to put two things in one that really probably shouldn't... like. Having just, these were the mentor characters, and they lost sidekicks, and this is how they're dealing with it while doing normal shenanigans, or part of the, like, part of the event, I think would have worked better than we're gonna then reintegrate them into their own line. Because then you go to the next issue, and it's like, okay, this didn't even happen. Like, it's an ongoing... I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah, and that, it just, you could have avoided that. No, I, I think it was covered well enough. They had a mutual investigation, but it spent a lot of time showing the effects of Heroes in Crisis, and they're on the road to recovery from it. The Green Arrow run, on the other hand, spent way too much time uh, with Green Arrow mourning Roy Harper's death. It felt very drawn out and monotone. Yeah, it felt like that shouldn't have been in this book if you had read it during the run it would have fit better where it was originally presented because it feels like that's kind of what i thought the the flash and batman would do during that period of time would be like this it's just part of the rest of the run something happened there are after effects while the rest of the story continues but then they decided to twist those together and turn into a little of mini event that spins off into something else it's like why not just have them go back to doing their stuff and trying to deal with that and huffing copious amounts of copium? The Batman Flash uh, had a good enough resolution. The Green Arrow didn't. That's true, because it was kicking off into the end of his run, which is weird. So, yeah, that's how I felt about it. Did you like the funeral issue, though? In Green Arrow? Yeah. It was was fine. That was the part I liked the most. I liked Vertigo. That, I didn't that know really anything nice about that character, but it did, like, Doctor Strange Inception uh, town turning inside out yeah. stuff really it's well. A good character. I just liked how they ended that. That, I thought, was a really... That was a more effective way of showing the effects of losing, like, a younger hero slash sidekick to, like, not just the hero. Like, even the villain's, like... Oh Dang. shit! Yeah, and just gives up. I'm just gonna, yeah, like I I that that hit pretty hard. I like that. 
I got this book for six bucks. It's not bad. Worth the money. Fair enough. I bought the whole book for like 20, so that would make more sense. Yep. Cringe. But not cringe. The Green Arrow. Green Arrow Rebirth was really good. Read it. What have you done? Your mom. Every time. Yep. Um, but, okay, I'm going to do two because you did two. Even though oh, you're not yeah? supposed to be doing two. Avengers Forever, which you loaned me, I didn't like it. Interesting. Very brief. Uh, so it was written by Kurt Busick and penciled by Roar Stern. It was a 12-issue miniseries uh, from 98 to 2000. The story was fairly standard time travel shit that Marvel does that doesn't make sense. Kang doesn't make sense. He's never going to. Don't try to make him make sense in your brain. The time travel shit doesn't make sense. Accept it and move on. Um, there was some good art. There were some really nice panels and some good poses. Um, I, I really don't like the lineup. And I, that entire period of the Avengers, it has a fucking weird lineup. And I'm, I've always been kind of weird about strange team lineups. If you don't get me really invested in characters I do not give a shit about, then I'm not gonna care. Like unless you pull a, like a, a Young Justice where you get you 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 get the the reader or watcher equally invested in all of the characters, and you you don't treat the the B tier people like. You just treat all of them equally, even though you know there's, like, an internal hierarchy of, okay, these are the popular characters, these are the non-popular characters, but we're going to do all of them at the same time. This book just didn't really care about that. It just, it had a weird-ass lineup they were working with at the time, and I didn't like it. I wasn't, I didn't care for most of the characters. Meh. So, two takeaways. Are you saying you're a traditionalist, and you just want classic lineups? I am in the one sense. I like having kind of semi-definitive stuff, but that is not what I want, like, overall. I'm not here sitting. We can't have changes or, like, bring new characters or whatever. But I like it when stories that are big and claim to have long-reaching impact, like a time travel story or whatever, use more foundational characters so that way you can lean into the the premise instead of having to try to introduce new people say um something we'll be talking about at some point i like the fact that dark knight's metal had fairly straightforward teams we had the justice league team we had we had batman and superman kind of on their own we had the teen titans at the time who are always a mixed lineup and we had Suicide Squad, and for them we had the Suicide Squad merge with a couple of heroes for the, like the Resistance team. I Suicide Squad is always a different lineup, exactly. But this You're one was like it. the traditional lineup, basically. It, it, right, and that, were, yeah, and then you know no one's gonna die, which is fine. It, it, when you do it, when you fill it filled with a lot of B or C listers or whatever, it gives me like Suicide Squad vibes in the sense of like, okay, a lot of these are gonna die. We're here to just not really care about the characters that much, and I don't like that in... So you're saying it's the Star Trek red shirt problem? It is, even though that's technically not an accurate thing, but yes. I only yeah, said it that it, way yeah. so people understand. <laughs> Basically. Hey, there's a new guy, he's gonna die. Right, I like the fact that in the MCU, our first Avengers lineup was not the first Avengers lineup from the comic, but it was a fairly popular one at the time. It mm -hmm. was infinitely influenced by the ultimates and that was almost identical like i like that once you get the foundation of the team and then you get like the next generation of them or the next movie or the next lineup or the next miniseries then you can kind of do that but avengers forever was the first of many miniseries in that time period by the same creative team it just i don't give a shit it left no impact on me i read it and i went fine i'll give that back to jacob whatever 
So my other takeaway is uh, that means you must be a lot of fun playing Marvel Unlimited with. I don't like Marvel Unlimited, so that helps. Really? I don't like Ultimate Alliance. I'm, I oh, just, sorry, Ultimate Alliance. That's I what don't I like any of those games. I never really have. Like picking your lineup of four people. You're the guy that's like, no, don't bring Ghost Rider. He's dumb. <laughs> no, because Ghost Rider is my daddy. Well, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I. I it's the same when I was talking about Midnight Suns and that lineup the other the a couple of weeks ago. The the video I don't game remember company. that. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like so you're shoving in a couple of A listers because they're popular with like the C list team of like yep. they're supposed to just be a bunch of mythological weirdos. It just I hate that. It mm-hmm. gives me weird vibes, and that's something with Titans the show and Young Justice towards the into season three was kind of doing. It gets really messy, and that just bothers parts of my brain it's not a moral problem it's not like this makes your story less it just doesn't get my interest like that that's why if you have a something like guardians of the galaxy like it 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 treats all of the characters like they're equally important mm-hmm. minus peter quill duh mm-hmm. but like it does that and it gets you it knows that you don't give a shit about them so it tries to make you give a shit this is like new characters this one's strong deal with it i don't like that the thing I do want to talk about, which I'm sad we're not going to do a mini-review of because you two are taking forever to watch it, is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I finally get to talk about it. Nice. Nice. Uh, so it came out in 2021. Uh, it was directed by Destin Daniel Cretton uh, from a screenplay he wrote with Dave Callahan and Andrew Lamb from a story by Cretton and Callahan. Uh, I did a written review. Um, One of Marvel's best outing in recent years. The usual detractors apply. God-awful color grading and color blocking. uh, (laughs) An over-reliance on CG, particularly in the third act. And a few tension-killing jokes. But on the whole, it manages to feel more cohesive and director-driven than a lot of their previous uh, efforts. I would have loved to see more of the modernity-slash-tradition themes integrated and explored through the movie. uh, Because as, as a white dude, I have no idea what any of this stuff is. Like, I find the, the, I like stories about, like, the Asian American experience because I, I don't have any experience with that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know very many Asian folks. Right. And I think that that, because in a lot of Asian cultures, particularly in China, they have a very, very, very strict, extremely conservative, like, mindset through most of the country. So then them integrating is just really interesting. It, it, I find that stuff really cool. It's like, how do you imbalance your family traditions to your country to your ethnic identity versus what you actually want to do like how all that works i think that's really cool um but i I did think it did enough as like a mainstream blockbuster that it's still going to pique people's interest it doesn't feel like it's doing it to do it um you know usually you only see that sort of a story in like indie movies and i think that's lame that's the reason why people get really weirded out when they see it in a mainstream they're like well, mainstream movies don't do this. It's like, yeah, a mainstream movie needs to do this instead of just a bunch of fucking indie movies made by people with a shoestring budget. That's what you said last night, just doing it to do it. Shut up. Uh, the action is off the walls incredible. Uh, the camera movements, both practical and digital, are kinetic and smooth, while the hand-to-hand choreography is astounding. Um, I believe I heard somewhere, I didn't look into it, don't quote me, Jackie Chan might have helped with some of the choreography in this. Uh, one of the scenes gave off a little bit of those vibes, very environmental. I'm going to use something against you. Like something Jackie Chan's really known for is like he, he's done fights in a ladder or like he th- used chairs and like throws. It's very, it feels like that. And it gives good vibes for that. The, the camera work is really good. Even some of the digital moves are like, okay, this is a digital camera right now. But, um, 
The editing is nice. It gives it a lot of room to breathe. It feels like a martial arts movie, at least in terms of action. The hang-up with that is I wanted this to be a martial arts movie. It's still a Marvel movie with martial arts in it. It get it's we're getting closer compared to Iron Fist. Remove in terms of like vibes or the action in and of itself. Action. Action infinitely better. Well, no, of course. Closer but to Iron Fist was supposed to feel like a a martialish action sort of. Yeah, the problem with Iron Fist is because it, it like the character it takes place in parts of two worlds whereas it has the rich white boy stuff with all the boardrooms and shit, and mm-hmm. then it balances having actual martial arts going on mm-hmm. in actual cultures. So, action-wise, it fe- it's better than that, of course. That's kind of the low bar. I still don't hate Iron Fist Season 1, but it wasn't great. Um, it feels closer. It, season 2 did expand on that. It was a lot better. They did a lot more choreography. They did a lot longer camera stuff. Um... A lot of this is cranked up to like fifteen, though, and I think that's the part where it doesn't totally lose me. But it go, I, I my brain, I sit there and I go, "All right, I know where we're going. This is fine. I'm just not. It's not lowering expectations, but it's a part of uh, understanding where the movie's gonna go. It just comes right out of the gate. When the action hits, it hits hard and it goes bonkers right out of the gate. And it's like, I would have liked some power escalation here, a little bit more grounded on the first end. The guy with the sword arm is in the first battle. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's a little much. You know, Mm. whatever. But interesting. that's, I think, the major distinction. We're getting closer to Marvel just happening to finance like movies that are made to be their own movies. Like, I'm hoping Eternals might be that one. I knew you were going to jump to it. it, It's Chloe's out. Like, come on. But... It just, it, it, that bothers me. It does make me a little more sad because the people behind this thing are amazing. It just, it is definitely held back a little bit. Um, the set and costume design was solid with a couple of strange choices, but the piss poor color grading and usually bland lighting refuses to flex the designer's work. I think I previously mentioned I don't like them giving him like a canvassy Kevlar shirt. Mm-hmm. It is explained... And it works in, in motion, actually, better than I was expecting. I still don't totally dig it, but I, I, I think it works better than it did in the marketing. The marketing, it's like, why? Mm-hmm. It looks like garbage on the poster. But in the final battle where he's using it, I, I do like it. Effe- I'm going to describe part of the, the part of the dynamic is that he's effectively trying to be to not deny his own heritage. He's trying to be his mother and his father while being himself. So his final outfit, effectively, is... A, a, it's, a, it's a dragon scale shirt from his mother's culture and he's wearing like normal pants or whatever and he's wearing sneakers in the final fucking battle of a martial arts movie he's wearing sneakers that are like him while he's fighting his dad but like it, it, I don't know there's something about that outfit that works I would have again preferred cloth outfits like for fuck's sake most of the characters wear very normal martial arts cloth looking outfits but because it's a hero we have to give him the generic marvel it's probably made out of plastic look but our our listeners can't see when spencer said hero he shook his cheeks it was really funny i wish everybody could have seen that <laughs> um so that does the, a lot of the set design is really good the costuming for the most part is good um it just really is the fact that you can't change this in the editing room Something I learned is you can't just fix color grading 
by going into the editor. I kind of knew that, but if you don't color block your costumes, your sets, and your lighting on the like on set, you can only compensate so much. So if you have a really mixed color palette with very mixed lighting, with whatever light sources, and it's like yellow lighting, whatever, it's really hard to fix that in post. So there's only so much you can do, and Marvel doesn't want you to do that anyways. So it's not like you can just color, edit it, and put it up on YouTube, and it looks infinitely better. You, so, can, you can only compensate so much. Spencer, 2021. Yeah. So it, it's kind of set back from the get-go, so I, I kind of had to accept that. Um, stellar performances all around, like, really strongly. Um, Simu brings a massive yet understated heart and, like, down-to-earth charisma that's mostly unseen in the MCU's lead performances. He feels like a normal guy, not in a ha-ha, Ant-Man makes dad jokes, or a ha-ha, Spider-Man's a like a kid, or like, ha, Star-Lord's retarded. Fuck, I said retarded. But like, it's not like that, where it's still really caricature-ish. He feels like a dude. He feels like a dude you know. But also, he's running away from his past that he's not really happy with, but it doesn't play up the whole, like, tortured hero bullshit, which I don't mind in some things, like Daredevil. <laughs> Or even Iron Fist to an extent. Like, I don't mind that, but I think this works well. He has adapted. He's moved on with his life. It's been a decade since stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's living his own life now. He changed his name. He has his own friend group who have no idea whatever what, what he's been through. Um, I don't know. It just it, it feels really good. And that is going to be influenced by his public persona and his social media and whatever. But, like, he seems like a really cool person, for one. The dude did stock photos. It's a meme at this point. Everyone knows it. And he but started he, the meme. Yeah. He literally was like, yeah, so I... I he... <sighs> he just... He posts... He shit posts on Twitter. Apparently, he threw a joke out about get, when they announced the movie. And he's like, I wonder if they'd hire me. And then they did. Like... It just, that leaks into the way that Marvel likes to let their lead actors do their performances is, like, really integrated with themselves. I think this is far and away the best new character that they've had in a while. Nice. Um, Aquafina was funny for once. I don't really like Aquafina's music. I've never really found her that funny. She does a couple of not-so-great racy jokes, um, but I actually thought she was really funny on this. And it's not a romantic duo. I love it. They didn't do romance for once. They're just friends. Aquafina, like the water bottle? That's how it's pronounced, yeah. That's not her real name, obviously, but that's her, like, performer name. That's what she goes by. Um, Weird. Yeah. Um, I've never been a fan of her, but the chemistry between her and Simu is, is really unique, and it should be cherished at all costs. I will die for them. Like, they're friends. They're just, like, vibing. If they reference it in the movie multiple times to the point where it's like, they're not trying to go... Look, it's what you've been missing all along. They're right in front of you. They don't pull any of that sort of bullshit. It's like, no, they're just doing their own thing. They're friends. They get along really well. Let them do their own thing. They don't try to push a romance story into this already very filled story. And I just like that because every Marvel movie has a mediocre romance in it. And it's so exhausting. Um, Tony Leung is a legend. One of the best Marvel villains don't call him the Mandarin because he's not the Mandarin, but he is the Mandarin, but he's not the Mandarin. If you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Great performance, really good character. There's a few things in there that are a little messy, but that's more in the, the visual storytelling than the story itself. There's a couple of cameos in here that were pretty good. Um, the end credit stuff I'm actually really interested in. They didn't... 
Um, so we knew Wong was going to be in this movie, right? I'm not going to really spoil anything, but we knew that Wong and Abomination were in the Fight Club. But that's it. Like that is pretty much all it is. You get they say you know Wong references uh, Emil Blonsky, you know Abomination's name. They go through a portal. They leave. Whatever. That felt like a really organic cameo in that sense. They didn't draw a butt ton of attention to it. Like, guys, look, Spider-Man's in our movie! Or, like, whatever. It just felt like... I mean, it's a fight cl- It's an underground fight club. I'm, I'm sure at some point that would make sense that you'd bump into somebody that we've probably seen before. That worked. And then they bring Wong back for the post-credits. And I'm not going to say what happens, but it's great. <laughs> Wong continues to be one of my favorite MCU characters. It's fucking awesome. And then they do set up either sequel stuff or potential reference in other products or to the next Avengers threat. I don't know where they're going, but it didn't see it coming. It doesn't seem to fit into the overall slate, and that's why I'm excited for it, because we have... We got the scroll stuff. We got the time travel stuff. We got the multiverse stuff. We got all the Spider-Man stuff. Which is the, multiverse stuff. And we got the Eternals coming out of nowhere that have been there forever. And then we have maybe the reintegration of the Netflix stuff. There's so many major phase four and five has so much shit going on. And it doesn't seem to be like a direction, but what they did set up in this one, I was pretty interested in. I would love to see it. Um, cool. Yeah. Excellent world building all around without feeling like really crammed into the, the greater Marvel universe. I want more of this. It still needs work. It's still got a rough third act. There's some There's some rough CG, whatever. It's got the same Marvel problems. But, like, go watch it. I've, I don't know. I meant to yesterday. It's really good. It just... It's one of those movies. I'm like, I got, I got good feels out of it. It was fun to watch. It was exciting. It didn't feel like I was there to watch Black Widow after she's dead. <laughs> you know? Yep. The contrast between the previously released movie, which simultaneously has the exact same problems, but in infinitely worse amounts. Well, speaking of contract, uh, we are obligated to thank our very special patrons, Business Casual, Jeff Lawrence, and Wesley Eaton, for supporting the show. Uh, We... Our listeners really can't tell, but we do put a lot of work uh, into the show. Uh, yeah, they definitely can't tell. We're a bunch of amateurish idiots. <laughs> but we try. But we try. We try hard. And, uh, oh, our, we try hard. Our shining light is our Patreons, our, our, our huge bunch of simps that uh, give us hope that maybe someday we will make an interesting show for them. But until then... More money, please. Thank you. For the money that you've already given us. If you get more money, we will uh, buy a new microphone or like buy a new light bulb. Probably a new light bulb. Maybe buy talent to show us what we're doing. Oh, okay, that's what you mean. Because I don't think we can buy that for ourselves. We could get it through the adrenochrome of children, though. Ooh. Just saying. We could. We could torture and kill children and then drink their adrenochrome and then absorb their talents. It sounds like a plan to me. Thank you to our patrons for supporting this, this, this endeavor. Uh, also speaking of contract, we are obligated morally to mention our partnership with Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. They have, I've been, I've been simplifying, uh, what we say about them, but it's true. They have a bunch of cool stuff. So much stuff that I get tired of listing it all. It's just so much cool stuff to go in and look at. I see something new every single time. Pretty stuff. And I spend a lot of time there. Pretty people. 
like last week we went in and I pointed out a com uh, uh, a poster like right over this week's new comics and it's like wow. that's been there a long time and I'm only seeing it now. There's so much stuff in there to look at. Go do it. Yeah, they got they did they did get a bunch of new stuff this week too. They got a no pinball machine that I still haven't used yet. I touched it, but oh. I didn't have quarters. Oh, shit. And the line for the counter was really long, and I wasn't going to spend a lot of time to turn paper dollar into coin. Fair. Go support them and us. Slap our poster on the wall. Yes. We are st- our stickers on the door. It Go is. touch the sticker. Yeah. Touch the sticker for good luck. But if you touch the sticker and the poster, it cancels itself out. So yeah. You you, have, you one have to, or the other. You have to activate the charm when you walk in the door and then hit it again on your way out. Because that, otherwise it will curse you for the rest of your life until you go back and deactivate the charm. I legit yelled at Colin for not slapping the poster for good luck. Wow. He had to go back and Colin enter, had to, he had to enter hit, again. He had to go right over the, the little announcer buzzer, too. So he, had to, he had to act like an yep. idiot. He announced his idiocracy to the, everyone who worked there. Yep. Wow. But he touched the poster. That's good. And then went straight to the D&D stuff. Of course he did. Yep. So next week, we will have all three of us. Maybe. Should have all three of us. Colin. Colin. <laughs> Ready for your colonoscopy. Um, we will be discussing, for the next four weeks, the DC Comics event known as Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, we've been waiting to do this one for a while, actually. Um, so Jacob and I have read it before. We're going to be rereading it. Colin has not read it yet, and he will be reading it for the first time. So we are going to be discussing uh, the four different books that are part of the event, the collected editions, individually. So we're going to be talking about uh, The Road to Metal uh, next week. That's that's Dark Days, colon, The Road to Metal. Um, that'll be next week, and then we'll cover the rest of them as the weeks go on. So all of Spooky Month, we have mildly spooky stuff. Metal's not even really as spooky, but it, it, it depends it, on it which fit. kind of metal you're listening it to. It fits. It's good. Uh, hopefully, at some point, I can use the new theme song for this episode. Colin. Um, it's not going to be this episode. Cringe. There's no way. <laughs> Are you serious? Why will you come in that one cause more than you die? Come in the brothers who are here to waste your time. Unless you want to do the vocals. Fucking no. <laughs> My growling's not that good. Um, so look forward to that discussion next week. Uh, we're going to blow Colin's mind open with some sick riffs. And uh, talk about Batman. <laughs> that we've never done before. No. This is our first Batman-related book. Uh, thanks for listening. It also... Metal kind of feels like a Justice League book, to be honest. Oh, it is. It's just because it's it's still centered around Batman for the most part. You have to label He it caused Batman. the problem. Like, everybody blames him yeah. appropriately, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, he caused it. It was the seeds were sown in his run. Mm. You know, the metals. Unobtainium. Sorry, I mean, that's from Avatar. That's pretty much it. Thanks Whoa. for listening. Bye.
Apparently, I swallow my drinks really loud yeah, when yeah. we're recording, so please cut that yes, annoying noise out. It is not intentional, I promise. Yes. <coughs> Cock and ball. Cock and balls. I should probably bite the bullet and just only spam calling my dick pics and then leave everyone else in the dust, but... Partner in crime helping me. Partner in crime. Crikey. These nuts. I just got a text from Grandpa. Oh, wow. I am announcing my life. Oh my gosh, I can't English. Spencer just did a line off a stool holding up the mic. Yeah, I did. Gay. Go touch grass.